This is Radio Stockdale. Welcome to Radio Stockdale. I'm your host, Michael Sears, at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership. My guest today, Chaplain Lauren Crone, is from Indianapolis, Indiana, and a graduate of Northwood University. He received his Master of Divinity degree from Mid-American Baptist Theological Seminary and a Master of Arts degree in Public Policy and International Politics from Regent University. He has deployed multiple times with the Navy and the Marine Corps and has traveled to more than 50 countries in support of Naval personnel and their families. He's the Deputy Command Chaplain at the Naval Academy and also works in the Stockdale Center as the Associate Director of Ethical Leadership. Welcome, Chaplain Crone, to Radio Stockdale. Thanks, Michael. It's really a pleasure to be here with you. You know, it's great to talk to you about something that probably a lot of people don't really understand, and it's all about confidentiality and and the confidentiality that a chaplain has with the folks that he or she serves. So let's get into that. But before we actually jump into it, let's talk about what chaplaincy is all about. I know that the chaplain corps is almost as old as the as the Navy. I mean, it's the realization from the leadership of the Navy that we have a responsibility as leaders to take care of the moral standing of, of the naval personnel that we have working with us and, frankly, their families. Tell me what chaplaincy means. Yeah, Michael, so you're right. Uh, we were there at the very beginning. Chaplaincy is almost as old as our country, November 28, 1775. Chaplaincy is just a... You know, another way of describing clergy, it's a religious ordination that we receive to come in and to provide service members with religious support. Service members have given up uh, a number of different things to be able to support the national defense strategy that we have. And so in response to that, under the Constitution and the First Amendment and the right to free exercise of the religion, they don't have to give up their right to be able to continue to worship. And so no matter where they go in the world, the Navy and the Marine Corps and the Army and the Air Force, Coast Guard, Merchant Marines, do their best to be able to provide religious support to them no matter where they might be fighting. But you're an ordained minister, right? I am an ordained minister. And that means preaching to your flock, so to speak. But but what is your flock? I'm getting probably a little bit too theological in saying things like that. I don't, I don't think that's too theological at all. Um, they, there is a There's a missionary aspect to it, so it's not the same uh, role that you might have as, say, a local church uh, pastor or parish minister. So the Navy did a really great thing um, years ago, and they codified or they enumerated the roles that a chaplain would play, uh, and we describe it as institutional ministry. So in institutional ministry, one of the primary things we do, is, as you've already noted, is provide worship exercises and opportunities for sailors with religious traditions and backgrounds. But we also have an obligation and a responsibility under the Constitution to facilitate for other sailors and Marines uh, that might have a different faith group. So in order to protect their legal rights, we protect our own legal rights, we protect their legal rights. So uh, if there was, I'm under the North American Mission Board, which is a missionary organization that functions under the Southern Baptist Convention. And so I provide primarily to Southern Baptists. And outside of that, if someone from a, a completely different faith tradition, a Muslim faith tradition, Buddhist, or, or even the Catholic tradition, come to me and are you know, requesting support for 
dietary needs or sacred space in order to worship, then I will facilitate for those people and for what their needs are. If I want to wear a turban or don't want to cut my hair or what have you, do I go to my command leadership or do I go to you as a chaplain? So you would come to the chaplain first. And that, that actually is going to be a good kind of segue here in a little bit when we talk about confidentiality and what maybe there are no limits to it. But what advice we might give to someone who's coming to look for that kind of accommodation. The, the biggest thing that we do, and, and which includes confidentiality, as we're going to discuss, is this care piece. And so care is pastoral care for people who might have been hurt, experienced trauma of any sort, or who might have done something on their own. The Navy would describe it as destructive behavior. So providing that pastoral care gives people a confidential space to come into to be able to discuss uh, the things that might be ch troubling them mentally or spiritually and be able to try to resolve those things. And then the last piece is from the special staff, principal staff officer to the commanding officer. Chaplains are responsible to advise commanders on issues of morale and morals and specifically uh, as it relates to religious expertise that we have. So let's be clear here. This is a leadership character ethics podcast series the command, the commander has those responsibilities. You as a chaplain are his principal assistant to provide advice and thought leadership. That's exactly right. So let's jump into this confidentiality idea because it's, it's, it's pretty dense. What is a confidential communication? Confidential communications in the most simple terms means anything that you share as a matter of uh, religious conviction or um, as a matter of conscience with the chaplain in the United States Navy uh, is absolutely privileged communication. You are the owner of that information and irrespective of what you uh, confess or disclose to the chaplain, uh, that information can never be shared under any circumstance. So I'm gonna play my lawyer card here. You know, I'm, I understand attorney-client privilege. I understand spousal privilege. I actually understand clergy-client privilege from a legal standpoint, but You've got something at a much higher level in terms of the confidentiality that a the service member has with you. That's correct. Yeah, I mean, my counterparts, even in the Navy, um, mental health providers, behavioral health psychologists, um, in many cases, they have mandated reporting requirements. So in cases like suicide or uh, other forms of self-harm or even potential harm to others, um, they have an obligation and a duty to report that information. So for chaplains, not even in any kind of a court-martial or no commanding officer can require that you would to disclose to them any kind of confidential communication that a sailor or a Marine were to provide to you. So let's break that down a little bit with an example. So if I come to you and say, I want to torch the ship, what's your responsibility? I would. Uh, my responsibility is to tell you that's not a good idea. Um, but I have no responsibility to pass that along uh, to anyone else. And so, uh, again, I, I'm not a lawyer and I, I don't, I you know, jokingly have shared this before that you should never go to a chaplain for any kind of legal advice. Uh, I make that very clear to people who come to me to sort of work out the challenges that they're facing uh, through the, and the, what those legal ramifications might be but under no circumstances. I will say that there is a, a judgment there. If someone were to share that, I have a, a responsibility to put that into moral terms for them and to help them understand the consequences, physical, mental, and moral to themselves and to others, and to try to persuade them uh, to a more you know, good or righteous decision that, that, that they're willing to make 
but I have no obligation under any circumstances to disclose that information. Now, again, there, there's an art of chaplaincy here where as an advisor to the commander, I could say, you know, sir, I feel like the ship's not safe and I feel like it, it'd be uh, you know, reasonable to make sure that the ship is safe and leave it at that and let the commanding officer do their due diligence to try to determine what exactly steps need to be taken in order to you know, secure the safety of the ship and the crew. So, so let's break down that relationship between you and the CO, you and the commanding officer. You know, it, it's, it's not that you are the person that the captain has to rely on on Saturdays or Sundays for religious services. It's a, this is a clear partnership. I mean, if I come to you, I'm a Marine, so I'll say, I come to you as the skipper, as captain of the company, uh, and I say, hey, how's the, uh, you know, how's, how's, the, how's my, how are my Marines doing? And you know there is an issue. You know there is a Marine or two that might have some serious issues with uh, drug addiction or with spousal abuse or with, I want to, you know, I, I'm mad at the gunny. Tell me about that relationship and how you work with the commanding officer to report what's going on in the morale of of the company, so to speak. That's such, good, that's such a great question. I, I really, I think that the chaplains do their best work uh, when they maintain people's confidentiality because it, uh, it becomes a, a, an incredibly valuable resource uh, and an insight into morale uh, of a crew um, or of a, of a battalion and being able to advise the commander on, on maybe trends or issues that you're seeing specifically you know early in my career and, and it's only gotten uh, progressively worse is issues with pornography addiction uh, many sailors and marines and midshipmen will confess challenges with uh, you know being able to you know stop participate in this kind of like media habit that they have or media addiction that they formed and uh, and that instance, you know, if there's multiple people reporting it, uh, there's an opportunity there to share with the, you know, commanding officer that there's a need for some more prevention or responses to this, the dangers that kind of are lurking around uh, our barracks or our ship. And so uh, confidentiality is so important, um, you know, in the in behavioral health or even embedded mental health, they use this term called return to duty. And so I think the, the relationship that the chaplain has with, especially if it's earned well, the relationship that they have to the commanding officer is that they're able to get people back to work um, and get them back into the fight and into the mission uh, without any kind of degradation of the duties or loss of man hours. And so, and in that same way, they're able to kind of give an overall 30,000 foot sight picture on what uh, challenges and what moral you know, hazards the unit might be facing. So, so this isn't about a sailor Marine can come and actually tell you anything and, you know, anything and everything that person says is confidential relative to the, the actual event or, or declaration. What you're really talking about also, it runs two ways, is, you know, the commanding officer can learn a lot more about his or her unit based on partnering with you. Uh, and the confidentiality that we're talking about here actually helps both ways, both the unit, the ship, and the sailor. Yes, Michael, in every way. I, I think the longer I've done the job, the more I've realized what an extraordinary value it is to the institution. Um, I'll, I'll make kind of a joke if it's okay. I know it's not entirely appropriate, but they, I, people often ask me because of the media how suicidal sailors are. And I, I jokingly sometimes respond that I've met more homicidal 
sailors than I've met suicidal sailors because almost everyone wants to kill someone on a ship. When you're when you're forced into a very difficult, high pressurized, high mission type environment um, where the stakes are really high every single day and the operational tempo never seems to slow down, um, there's a release valve and a place where you know sailors can go. And, and it may not be something as damaging as pornography. It may just be I need a break, and um, uh, any vulnerability often in the military is viewed as perceived often as a weakness. And so having a place where, you know, again, multiple people can come to you and say, I'm tired, and, you know, this this schedule isn't working for me. And if the schedule continues the way that it is, I'm going to have to find an alternative means to, like, find a, find a way off the ship or out of this unit. But once you're able to get a, enough of that information and you can pass along to the commanding officer that there needs to be a reset or a pause or some sort of deliberate liberty plan, uh, some reaction that they can take in order to you know, rectify the circumstances, then that's you know, a really, really powerful tool. Uh, and again, I, I, think, I think human dignity is the reason why you would never break confidentiality. I think under no circumstances uh, should people not have a place where they can go and disclose pain or, or suffering. But from a practical and pragmatic standpoint, to be able to, to get access to that kind of information without having to provide consequences or uh, judgment, you know, it's a really powerful tool to the institution. Chaplain Lauren Crone, Lieutenant Commander, United States Navy Chaplain's Corps, thanks for joining us on Radio Stockdale. Thank you, Michael. It was really a pleasure to discuss this with you. You've been listening to Radio Stockdale, a series of podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. You can hear more podcasts at stockdalecenter.com slash podcasts.